Good afternoon and welcome to this webinar. This is Campaigns and Integrated Marketing and my name is Neil Wilkins. Now, we love planning, don't we? We love kind of um, process, don't we? We love managing stuff, don't we? Rather than all the creative side that everybody always associates with marketing. No, of course we don't. This isn't what people normally expect for marketers to be doing, uh, integrating stuff, really prioritizing, project managing, some of the what you might term drier elements of marketing activity. Um, of course, everybody sees us as marketers and as business developers, you know, creating amazing campaigns and doing you know, amazingly creative things through all the different media and channels that we have available. And that's, of course, all we do. And we don't really measure. We don't really do any kind of diligence and, and really sort of you know, structured practice, do we? Because we're, we're marketers. Well, I'm about to put that all right. If, if your view of marketing is that it is all about the creative, hopefully, as we go through this session, I am going to give you enough evidence to demonstrate and maybe even prove that there's another side to this, that there is a side that allows you to focus on integrating prioritised work that you do across a variety of different channels, maybe lots of different types of content, maybe different styles of media, and also how to present this, all this kind of this mix of goodness, this mix of process to your colleagues, to the rest of the organization, to third parties, to your line management, because often we're actually having to pitch this stuff against other activities that are happening. And of course, you aren't necessarily going to be delivering all of this yourself. So it could well be that you have other key stakeholders in play, agencies, business partners, you might be doing stuff in collaboration or in affiliation with others. Um, so there's a lot of things that are going on here. And what I'm going to do as we go through this conversation is to hopefully bring a structure to how you plan, how you integrate, how you prioritize, and how you get ultimately the very best returns from this kind of activity. And I'm going to call it campaigns because this isn't necessarily business as usual. A lot of us, if we're working in marketing, we're creating uh, materials, we're creating communication, we're creating strategies, we're creating stuff that is business as usual. In other words, it is in the normal kind of day-to-day -day flow of operations and activities. But this is more campaign stuff. So this is stuff that is time bound. So it has a defined beginning and it has a defined end. And the beauty of that is if we can get this right, we can be super efficient, not use too much resource. And I'll explain what resource is in just a moment and also get the best returns and, and very measurable returns because of the nature of the time bound scale and the time bound sort of design of a campaign. So that's really what we're looking at here. This is integrating activities that are very well defined, but that are time bound. So I'm going to give you the answer before we go into the detail. Uh, for me, the answer is, and I'm a really planful person, okay, so I love this stuff because it kind of gives me a, a level of confidence, I think, that I'm doing the right thing, but also really importantly, that I know where I am in the process. Now, a lot of the time, we find marketers busy chasing their tails. You know, they're super, super busy. And if you ask a marketer, how's things going? Often what you'll find is that they'll say, oh, so busy. Now, actually, is it busy 
doing lots of things that are really valuable or is it busy yeah just kind of a little bit hectic a little bit chaotic and of course this is a spectrum you know we're not all perfect here none of us are perfect I'm not saying that because I've got a campaigns checklist that I'm going to share with you in a moment that I'm doing this perfectly no we all do chase our tails a lot of the time and that is because we're probably not prioritizing we're probably trying to say yes to everything and we're probably not getting the best value of the return of the investment of our time and energy and budget. So this is what this is about. So I have what I call an integrated campaigns checklist. Now, if you have a fingers to your keyboard or you have a pen to the paper, this is the time to make a list of the things that we are gonna be covering. Okay, because breaking this down, I'm gonna go through each one of these elements one by one, step by step, because this is what this is. This is a step-by-step -step process that hopefully will make you super efficient with the campaign planning that you do in your marketing, but also it'll allow you, and this is an important thing too, to judge one campaign against another. So when you're given the task, maybe your line manager comes in and says, hey, want you to do this campaign over here? And you think, okay, but I'm already fully loaded with all the things that I'm doing. So this allows you then to use your campaigns checklist to be able to then go either go back and challenge and say, do you know, I don't think this is going to give us enough value versus what I'm already doing. Or it allows you to bring in this new campaign idea and remove something else because you've got a defined value that is greater than the things that you're already doing. So you can get really, really clever with this and it will make you look super smart. It'll make you look in control. It'll save you from running around like a headless chicken trying to just do lots of stuff. This will give you the control and the pacing of successful marketing. And at the end of the journey, the last one is measurement, always is. It's return on investment. Then you've got a little bit of control over actually the outcomes too. Okay, so there's a lot to like about what might be termed quite dry project or program management and, you know, using a checklist like this. But you will find yourself a much more effective marketer if you can get your head around this and maybe explore and experiment with it. OK, so here are the elements of the checklist. I'm going to go through these one by one. You need a reason. First one is R for reason. It's got to be a reason for doing this campaign. You don't just do it because you can. You don't just do it because somebody shouted at you to do it. There's got to be a proper fundamental reason. We also need to integrate this. So the choices within the campaign need to be integrated, but also this campaign itself needs to be integrated into existing activities. The next point is channels. We need to be choosing the correct channels for the target audience, also within our capabilities, but also for the right points in the customer journey, because there will be certain channel decisions based on where this campaign sits. And I'll explain the difference between campaigns that are designed to create awareness, you know, right at the front end of the customer journey. And I'll describe some campaign styles that will be more retaining existing customers. So both ends of the, the customer journey, if you like priorities that's the next one in our checklist we need to figure out a way that we can systematically prioritize this this campaign that's just come in through the door against other stuff that we're doing but also maybe look back at all the activities that we've already got on and maybe start to reprioritize 
And that gives us a lot of control as marketers. We can become super efficient by prioritization techniques. So I'll share just a few of those with you. We also need in our campaign checklist, a timeline. We've got to know when this thing is due to begin, but also when the defined endpoint is. And it could be that in that journey, we need to reflect, we need to refine, we need to adapt, and we need to change. So we need to understand that too. So there's a timeline factor that comes into this. We need a plan. Every good plan needs a plan. And I really do mean that. You know, it sounds a little bit of a strange way of putting it, but we do need to plan. We need to know where we are in this journey within the campaign and actually how it's interacting with these other activities. So not only do we have a timeline, but we need to plan for the plan of it. And I'll explain how we do that in a moment. We need some KPIs. KPIs within campaign checklist is an absolutely critical ingredient. KPI, key performance indicator. A lot of people throw KPIs in as though they're the goals or the objectives. They're not. They are the key performance indicators. In other words, the little indicators, we can choose red, amber, green. We can choose to put numbers against them, whatever we want to do. But they are the indicators of how we're performing within the campaign timeline itself. OK, so this is a KPI is not the actual objective. It's how we're performing against it. And it's a little indicator that shows you just gives you that little sort of sense of feedback within the campaign itself as to kind of how it's going. Red, amber, green is my preference because it's so simple to spot it. And if something goes to amber, yeah, I might need to look at that or just keep a watch on it. If it goes to red, I've got to deal with it right now. So it's a very, very nice way of keeping control as you go through the delivery of the campaign. But prior to that, we also need approvals. Next one on my checklist is approvals. We need to get the buy-in of those who need to buy into this. And I'll explain who that might be. Yes, it could be your line manager, your boss the board, whoever it happens to be, but it could also be approvals from some technical support that you might need to actually deliver this because you might not be delivering this in isolation. So looking for those approvals. And part of that is the next one on my checklist, which is the briefings. This is not something we are going to be creating, delivering, measuring and reporting on in isolation. Even if we are a sole trader, there probably are others we need to be communicating with here as we do this campaign. So I'll explain how we can brief others and what the best practice is to get good returns from those briefing sessions. So if you have agencies or you have third parties or you have content creators working with or for you, then listen for that bit because the briefing element of the campaign is critical for the final point in our checklist, which is the measurement. Because ultimately, why did you do a campaign? To get a good return. You need to get a return on the investment of the time, the people, the budget, the energy, and the marketing that you're doing. So the ROI, return on investment, is the key measurement point at the end of our checklist. So there we go. That is it. There is the answer in a nutshell. To me, the checklist for integrating our campaigns really, really effectively is just that. And if I'm doing a campaign for a client or for myself, I will religiously work my way through that. Sometimes I might do a light touch because I know it's very similar to a previous one. And I kind of know how that bit's going to turn out. So experience can fast track through some of these things. But if I miss any of these elements, then I know for sure that my program or my project or my campaign is going to be probably less measurable or less effective overall. So this stuff really does work. 
So let's go through these things one by one. So this is quite a fast track, um, I guess, masterclass in how to create an integrated set of campaigns or an individual campaign in itself. So I would recommend if you are keeping notes that, you know, you write pretty quickly, but really work around all of these points that I've said in order there. So the first one is reason, the reason for your campaign. And this really is your kind of your guiding path, if you like, or this is your kind of road, your roadway into the into the distance. This is going to be your reason for why you're doing this campaign. And really, it should be to deliver a time bound return in meeting a business challenge. OK, so why are you doing this campaign? It needs to be delivering some kind of value back to the organization. And probably it will be opening up an opportunity and you know, leveraging that opportunity. And that could be that a competitor has missed out on doing something. And so you think, right, we're going to have a go at this. Maybe it's a little pilot campaign to, to kind of do something that nobody else has spotted. Or it could be a market opportunity. You know, the market trends have shown that something is moving in a particular direction. So you decide you're going to leverage on this. So you're going to develop a campaign to, you know, optimize the revenue opportunity for that market opportunity. You might also have a reason for the campaign is to showcase a product or a service or an event or a launch. Being really specific about the reason is this kind of almost glue between you and the others you're going to get involved. So be super clear for the reason for this campaign, because it really will, if you have others involved, it'll align everybody and the chosen resources that you need for the campaign towards a common goal. And that is really, really important. Everybody's going to tell you they're busy. Everybody's going to say, oh, I'm not really sure if I've got time to support you on this one. Or, oh, I'm going to have to put the price. This is the agency talking now. Oh, I'm going to have to put the price up because we've got so much client work on right now. If you can align to a common goal that one makes them look good, but two delivers your goals too, then you are going to get the support that you need. So being ultra clear on the reason for your campaign is the number one priority at the outset of crafting this plan that you're looking to do. Number two, why integration is essential. Now, the reason why you want to integrate all of the activity within the campaign, so you don't then just go flying off doing the stuff that you've always done, you know, just because a social network has worked before, you're just going to do that and run the campaign through it, or you're just going to, you know, do this particular campaign, you're going to let one that's kind of currently running that you haven't really been monitoring because you didn't really have the checklist. And so you're just going to kind of do what you've always done. Integrate will start to really challenge the way that you've done stuff before. And if you can integrate this within other campaigns, we move from being project management to being what we call program management, where you have multiple projects under your umbrella. And optimally, this is going to actually optimize a very timely focus of everyone's attention. If stuff looks like it's joined up, you will appear much more capable, much more in control and much more in command of the situation because, of course, you are. So there's an internal benefit of integrating this in with existing work. Also, it's really important when you actually think of the target audience for your campaign, because if what you do normally is what we might term business as usual, kind of branding activity oh we do ongoing advertising or oh yeah we post organic content in social and oh yeah we throw out all these newsletters on a regular basis 
but actually they're not really kind of campaign based because they don't have a, a defined start and end. So, you know, they're just kind of, and I will use the word just, but they're just kind of business as usual. What a campaign does is it jolts the prospect or the customer, the existing customer, out of their usual perception of who and what you're offering. So a campaign can just kind of wake them up all of a sudden to pay attention. And this is what we're doing here is really we're ensuring really as we do this that we have their attention. Because let's face it, you know, a brand who you bought from maybe one or two years ago, and they still send you that tedious monthly newsletter, the same old stuff with a special offer, but it is blah, blah, blah. How often do you click the link? You don't, do you? But if they were to do a coordinated, integrated campaign where you start to see a really consistent message across all the media through which you engage with them, suddenly, hmm, this is interesting. Oh, and there's a call to action that's time specific. I have to now register today or I have to click the link in the next 12 hours or something isn't going to happen. A campaign can jolt your prospect or customer out of that kind of lethargy, if you like, of the interaction with you. So you get their attention and ultimately the integration will allow you to maximize the ROI because you've got focus. Things become measurable when they're integrated. If it is just you know one little thing's pointing over here, something else is pointing over there and sending people off into a different direction, it's very, very hard to measure the ROI because you haven't actually got a consistent stream of activity. And also, of course, the customer doesn't really know where you want them to go. So integration ultimately is really, really essential. And we're going to see this pop up a number of times as we go through this talk. The next thing is channels. <coughs> Excuse me, getting overexcited with myself on this, uh, all this, this topic of planning. I said, you know, planning excites me, didn't I? There it was, little uh, sort of frog in the throat there. Channels, point three in our journey through this integrated campaigns planning. Now, there are two forms of channels. We have, these days, we have digital channels and we have offline channels. And you might say, well, yes, Neil, obviously. But for a lot of people, it's not obvious. What we need to do when we're planning our campaign is to look holistically at all of the channels that we have available to us. Now, the digital channels can be broken down into owned channels, earned channels and paid for channels, as can offline also be broken down into owned, earned and paid. Now, I'm going to give you some examples here because the different things that you need to consider as you begin to build this campaign. So you have this amazing product to launch or you need to get people to this event or you're doing this particular market entry point and you want to run this campaign for a month. But a campaign is only as good as the channel choices that you make. So I'm going to talk in a minute about how you use the customer journey to filter in where you position these channels. But first of all, we've got to realize what channels are available to us. So let's think about the digital channels that we have available to us first. So we've got owned, earned and paid. So on the owned channels, these are the ones that we have complete control of. So it is things like SEO. It is things like organic social. It is things like a blog, a vlog or a podcast. And it is things like email. OK, so those would be what we would we would term owned choices. 
We've also then got earned choices. Now, these are ultimately a target that you might want to work to if you don't have these already. But if you could use influencers, might even be micro-influencers in your industry, but influencers, you might want to do some co-marketing. You might want to encourage some backlinks as part of your campaign and you might be seeking some social advocacy in other words in social media you want people to come out of the woodwork and advocate the great work that you're doing through the campaign and you might be able to incentivize them to do that so this is earned choices and on the paid choices and particularly if your campaign has an urgency to it because it's very time specific it has to happen next week you might not have time to produce the owned content or seek out the earned uh, digital choice so you might have to run the the paid thing first to kind of kick start this campaign of course if you need to do it quickly that is often only your only option so what are we including in digital paid well we're doing ppc pay-per-click we might be doing some paid social we could be running some advertorial or we could be doing some affiliate marketing so there are a host of digital choices that we have and based on the urgency based on the control that we want over the campaign or based on the scalability big scale campaigns need to have digital earned and there's a little clue for you as to why that bit's important but we need to kind of balance our choices of channel based on the type of campaign that we're looking to run and the same applies to our offline because some of our integrated and particularly if we're trying to integrate maybe a digital campaign with some offline so some non-digital activities because you know a lot of people will be serving products and services beyond the campaign promotion in a physical sense so you might have a physical product or people might be coming to a physical event so we need to consider the offline activities and choices we have as part of this campaign journey for the customer so offline owned would be potentially your staff word of mouth it could be some kind of sort of guerrilla marketing that you might want to do if you've kind of tried this before it's potentially quite a rewarding um, and quite exciting uh, sort of method or channel choice you might want to pick up the phone and actually physically phone as part of your campaign so a telemarketing telesales kind of campaign and direct mail a very traditional offline channel choice here for a lot of marketers the uh owned uh, sorry owned side of offline you could be doing some word of mouth through public so you know you could be actually trying to again get some offline advocacy where people are sharing in their own networks the great work that you're doing you might be looking to co-brand something maybe if you're looking to put on an event maybe co-brand that event with a business partner or an affiliate you might want to, if it's um, uh, offline earned, you might want to use your credentials to be speaking at an, a bigger event or some kind of conference. And the general kind of um, offline or real world networking as well comes into this earned. And again, utilizing your credentials and your skills and your abilities to be able to do that in an offline or traditional sense. And the final channel choice where we're looking at maybe paid in an offline sense is you could buy your way into an event. So a conference, you could take out an exhibition stand. You might want to do some offline display advertising, some broader kind of media advertising. So print media, for example, um, and also some print, maybe advertorial. 
So there's a whole host of things you can do. Most of us, when we think of campaigns nowadays, just think of digital. But remember, we're talking integrated channels and marketing here. So think about blending your online with your offline opportunities too. And particularly if you find that a lot of your competitor activity is digitally focused, is there a little opportunity to maybe take it a bit old school and maybe at certain points in the journey of the campaign from the customer's perspective, introduce some, some real world activities that could also get interesting. There's a lot of research that talks at the moment about the resurgence of email, but also the resurgence of direct printed mail, because that's not where marketers' attention is. Marketers' attention is in social, as we all know. So is there an opportunity to you know, complete that circle and come back in with something a little bit more traditional because the noise isn't there, but potentially the customer's attention might be. Now, of course, there's a lot of choices in there. Now, this is a checklist and some of these things you're very, very quickly based on the style of campaign you're doing, you'll probably say no to. And it might be that you just don't have the experience or you don't have the resources or you just don't have the desire to take on some of those options, but they are still there as options to you. So we need a filter really to help us make these yes, no, or maybe decisions about those channels that we're going to factor into our integrated campaign. And for me, I always come back to the target persona and the journey we're trying to choreograph for them. Um, if you know me or we've listened to any of my sort of work before or, you know, we're working together already. And I do obviously have a mix of, uh, of you on this uh, this particular session then you will know, if you know me already, that I am very passionate about creating customer persona profiles because it just gives those little nuances which help you in that detail, that granular level of understanding of the target audience to be able to make those choices of which channel is appropriate. And what you don't want to be doing, and I find myself saying this a lot, you don't want to be dragging your target audience, kicking and screaming into a channel that suits you but is really inconvenient to them. That's the last thing you want to do. You need to go and meet them on their terms. So if they like offline, you've got to go offline. If they want to speak to you on the phone, that's what you have to then be picking up. If they want it all digital, but you really wanted to see them face-to-face, -face, tough. You've got to be doing it all digital. The choices and the prioritization comes from understanding them. So that's your first point, is that you're going to be choreographing within the campaign a step-by-step -step journey of experience, much as you would in business as usual, but this is a time-bound journey for this particular target persona. So don't think that this campaign is going to appeal to everybody, and don't think it's even going to appeal to all of your customers or prospects. Be selective. The most appropriate integrated campaigns, the most effective ones come from when you get super targeted, okay, almost a laser targeting. Choose a small number of your personas or even a single persona and select or create and choreograph a journey through the campaign, click by click, experience by experience, phone call by phone call visit by visit, whatever it happens to be within this campaign to get them to your target destination. And think about the campaign as being building awareness, converting that awareness into some kind of behavior or lead or converted into a, a piece of business. And then what are you gonna do with them after that? Think about the retention phase too. 
And of course, your choice of channels that we've just been talking about will be fitting into that journey. So the channels don't sit there in isolation. This is what we mean by integration. The step-by-step route map that you're plotting out within this campaign journey will include your, the choices of your channels. And if you plot it out and you think, oh, I've only got two or three, that's quite interesting. And well, here's the fuel, here's the fuel that's going to go through it, my creative, the content that's going to go through this journey. I only need two or three actual um, campaign um, channel choices. I don't need as many as I thought. I, I wanted to do about 10 different things. And wow, look at all this. I'm pointing over here and I'm doing all this in social. And actually, the journey was quite simple. And often that is your filter and you will find yourself being really, really happy to see that less is more, because if you can get that conversion, if you can deliver the result on the campaign by doing fewer things, your ROI has just increased. Your ROI has just improved because of the efficiency. So careful targeting of the persona using their relevant channels, fueling those channels with appropriate content that is appropriate at each step of the journey This is what we call critical path customer journey mapping. I'll say that again, critical path customer journey mapping. And it is drawing this out. When I talk about a map, I do genuinely mean a map. Get out the sticky notes, get out the big flip charts or the whiteboard and actually plot this campaign out from the customer's perspective. What are they going to see? When are they going to see it? Through which channels? online, offline, or a blend of those, and what content and media type is going to fuel those channels. And actually, what are my targets? That's the next interesting point, is what are my targets going to be through each point in that journey? We'll come on to that in just a moment. Because by this point, you will have probably found that you're starting to think about, oh, goodness, actually, okay, there are only a few channels. But actually, when I plot it out like this, this campaign is actually bigger than I thought, or hmm, this campaign needs to be a little bit longer because I need to kind of stretch the time out a little bit because I've got to give the customer time to think or time to respond or time to come back to me with this or time for me to serve that. And so what we find is once you've done the mapping, you've done the the plotting, you've opened up your content choices, your channel choices, you've done the the choreography of this this campaign journey, if you like, as we've called it there, you've got the critical paths, you know where you want them to go through, click by click, visit by visit, and then you realise, oh, there's quite a bit of stuff to do there. Okay, so now this then, as a campaign versus everything else that I'm doing, I need to be kind of really breaking this down into some manageable chunks of activity. And this is where I would say your choices become both strategic, but also tactical. Now, I always kind of like to use the the filter technique when I'm prioritizing stuff of must, should, could, and now, soon, later. I would always be working on the things I must do. If this project or this campaign comes into the, yeah, I probably should do it then it's something worth parking for now. If it comes into the could category, when you think, is it a must? Is it a should? Is it a could? The coulds, I'll let you into a secret. You're never going to actually do because you're never going to have the time. But that's fine because then you've prioritized it out. Now, what you're doing is if you're putting this into the existing mix of stuff that you've got on, and actually if you run everything that you're doing through this filter of must, should, could, 
you might find that some of the things that you're doing right now go into the could category and you were just doing them because, well, it was convenient or you thought you might get some quick wins and yeah, they're not really adding that much value or they're not really that measurable. So I'm not really sure. Those things are probably in the could category. So now you can look at your campaign and say, right, does this take over the place of anything else that we're doing? And if the answer is yes, it goes into the must because we must do this. This is a time bound opportunity where if we don't do it today, we're going to miss it. OK, well, then it's a must. But now I want you to run the, all of the musts that you've got in your criteria through the now, sooner or later. You've decided that you must do them. But when are you going to do them? You can do them now. And that really does mean now you can do them soon. You can decide when soon is or you're going to do them after that. You're going to do them later. Must, should, could, now, soon, later is a lovely way of just getting a real sense of the urgency, but also the importance of the activities that you're doing. Because a lot of us get kind of carried along on this wave of, oh, everybody's shouting about the urgent stuff. And we miss the trick of actually some of this stuff is going to be actually really good longer term value for our brand. And then all we're doing is we're just getting caught up in the chaos. So by phasing maybe even your campaign into little micro phases, maybe doing step one or phase one as a must now and then leaving step two, maybe as a sort of a second part of the campaign later whilst you deal with everything else. It allows you to then phase in this campaign alongside everything else in your busy day. And I always use the analogy because some people sort of say, yeah, that's all very well, Neil, but you know, I'm, I'm being tasked with delivering this month's revenue. I'm being tasked with, you know, creating some sales leads or I'm being tasked with at the other end of the spectrum, you know, building a brand here. It's not so much about today. It's all about we've got to craft a brand here. So what I would be saying is, OK, I need to kind of balance today with tomorrow. So I would always be looking for my campaigns that I'm running to be doing two things. OK, within this kind of prioritization, one is that they need to be doing basically delivering the low hanging fruit. OK, so there could be some low hanging commercial fruit, the little quick wins, as I call them. And they don't have to be huge numbers, but just let's get some quick wins from the campaign. But I always have to balance that with making sure and if it's going to make the cut here, it has to also deliver longer term brand value. In other words, I am not going to sell my soul for some short term gains for this campaign if it's going to be at the detriment of the longer term brand value. But also, I'm not going to just focus on long term brand value things when actually I'm missing out on getting sales today because I won't be in business next year. So it's all about really kind of staying on this. And it is a very, very thin line between serving today and serving tomorrow. But that is part of this journey of integrating effectively our campaigns and integrating this campaign that we're talking about with the other stuff that we're doing. So let's assume it's made the cut. Let's assume that you've decided, OK, I know who I'm targeting. I've plotted out a journey. Yeah, we've got a critical path. We know what we're going to do. Put some channels in there. We know roughly what content we're going to do. I'm not talking today about the creative production of content. That's for another day. But we're deciding that, you know, we've got some content to fuel these particular channels that we've chosen. How are we now going to put this thing together? Because I've got to actually manage this as a project. 
Well, my default go-to project structure is always SOSTAC. Go to prsmith.org if you've never heard of SOSTAC, S-O-S-T-A-C. Um, it comes with a little registered trademark there. Paul Smith has an amazing framework that a lot of us are now using in our day-to-day -day activities. SOSTAC for me, yeah, it's great for those big business strategy planning days, but it's also great for little campaigns and even little micro-integrated campaigns. And what it will do is it will allow you to position the campaign within the context, both macro and micro, of the world around you. So it gives it a sense of position, if you like. It gives it a sense of meaning. So SOSTAC will say to you, right, and it's the first S, which is situation. Like, why are we doing this? Where does this fit into the bigger picture? You know, where's the opportunity? Where's the threat? And what are we going to do about it? Sostack also reminds us that we need to, before we kick the campaign off and actually before we try and get some budget or some, some resource for it and sell it through into the business, we've got to set some truly smart commercial objectives. And I do mean truly smart campaign objectives that say, oh, to build brand awareness. Honestly, if you hear any marketer ever use the phrase brand awareness and then not give you some commercial objectives that go alongside it, Ask them or show them the door. It's the lazy marketer's mantra. Brand awareness means absolutely nothing to a business. Genuinely, it really doesn't. I've been in this world long enough to know that there is no value of brand awareness. You need brand awareness. You need people to be aware of your brand. Of course you do. But it's what you do with that awareness that counts. Okay, so when we talk about campaign brand awareness, it's about just that first step on the journey within our carefully choreographed, mapped out campaign journey. It's not the end game. We've got to dig deeper. We've got to push ourselves harder. The commercial objectives come from the output of this campaign, not just the creation of some awareness. Lazy, lazy marketers, you can do better. So truly smart commercial objectives, specific, measurable, action orientated, realistic and time bound, smart. Do a little search for that if you're not used to setting smart objectives, because this is what we need at the start. And the SOSTAC process will encourage you to do that. It's the O of the SOSTAC, S-O-S-T-A-C. Then we move to the strategy and the tactics. Strategy being the medium to longer term position that this campaign is going to take you to. And the tactics being the commercial benefits now, either this month or this year. And the A and the C stand for action plan and control. And this is where we begin to build a clearly resourced action plan. And I do mean clearly resourced. In other words, who's going to do this stuff? You know, it's all very well creating this beautiful campaign plan, all beautifully mapped out. But somebody's going to actually have to do the work. Somebody's going to need to create the content, measure what happened, you know, refine it if it doesn't really work the first time, place the ad, watch how people interact with the ad. Again, refine it or reposition it. Maybe take a channel choice out because it didn't work and put another one in. So constantly resourcing this campaign plan is vital. Otherwise, it's just a theoretical model. So what SOSTAC does, it allows you to then begin to put into the mix and into this journey your KPIs. I talked about KPIs right at the start, the key performance indicators. 
Now, these should become a little bit more obvious as to where these fit, because a KPI isn't something that you set at the beginning and measure at the end. This is part of you watching this journey, this critical path, beautifully mapped out journey within the campaign, click by click, visit by click by visit, whatever it happens to be using all these channel choices that you put in there. Your KPIs, your key performance indicators, potentially you might have one or two at each of these channels. You might have one or two that relate to the type of content you're pushing through those channels. The KPIs are indicators at each call to action. In other words, at each point where the customer has to make a decision as to whether to go deeper into this campaign with you, to click that special offer, to redeem the voucher, to sign up, to actually make the purchase, whatever it is you're trying to get them to do, you want at least one KPI at each call to action. Because then they're helping you to directly answer how you're progressing against those smart objectives that you've just set. Now, of course, here we go. Let's get some examples of this, because if this is kind of new to you, you want, you want to kind of know really what I mean here. So there are two types of KPIs. I would say there are short term key performance indicators and longer term KPIs. So the short term ones could be things like engagement, conversions. Um, and um, basically cost of acquisition, if you like. So it could be how much the customer actually costs you to get. It could be, you know, how many actually converted from redeeming that voucher. It could be actually how many people click through, posted a comment and then did something as a result um, of that particular activity. The longer term KPIs will be something that might relate to the customer lifetime value. Or if you're looking to use this campaign to improve customer satisfaction, it could be something like your net promoter score, your NPS. Um, it could be the overall return on your marketing investment. Those might be longer term KPIs that you're looking to then have in this mix to monitor the progress through this campaign. So just some examples there of the kinds of KPIs that you might want to put in. But the key here is that you need a little indicator for you to monitor how you're progressing in the campaign at each call to action. That's at each moment the customer is required to make a decision and do something. So what do you have now? You've got your target persona. You've made your channel choices. You've put that into a clear, um, clearly and cleverly mapped out journey, campaign journey for them. You've got your content ready. You've set your key performance indicators. You know what your targets are. You know what you're trying to achieve. You've got a SOSTAC plan now to kind of bind it all together in a logical sense. And now is the time to go for management approval. So this is the bit where what you're doing is you are considering what I would term a multifunction campaign pitch. In other words, you want your pitch to try and get this campaign bought into, maybe because you need budget, maybe because you need some other resources of certain people around to help you do this. Maybe you need just time. Maybe you need to replace your time with this campaign. So you're putting your pitch together here. Now, the reason I call it multifunction campaign pitch is because you're not just probably talking to one discipline here. You might be talking to the marketing director, but you also might be talking to an operations director or a product director, or you might be talking to the finance director if this is a big ticket, financially big ticket campaign that you're pitching. So thinking about your campaign pitch from multiple angles rather than just, hey, here it is in marketing speak, 
Talk about your campaign pitch in financial terms, in people terms, in time terms, but ultimately in return on investment terms. And agree with everyone what success from the end of this campaign looks like. Because again, depending on who you're pitching this to, they will have a different take. The HR director will obviously have a very different perspective on this campaign from the finance director, from the marketing director, from the sales director, from you know, the senior board level directors. What is going on here in your organization? Learning kind of who the points of influence are, who the key decision makers are, but also the language to then replay and translate your pitch back into that team or into those individuals is absolutely critical. So identify with them and agree what a good outcome from this would look like, because then you can get commitment in writing to achieve the ROI of the resources you need based on a really clear definition of success. In other words, you know, this is where this campaign is going to lead us. This is what it's going to look like. This is what I'm asking for from you as an organization to deliver this. But here's the ROI if we all pull together and look where this is going to take us, not just today, some short term wins, but in the longer term. And then actually not just saying, OK, great, now I've got all these resources and I've got the budget, I can go off and do it. But actually clarifying with this management approval the reporting of what, to whom and when, because you don't want to then just disappear and then come back six months later with the campaign report. This is something that potentially, even if it's only a small campaign, can one, make you look really good, two, can really sell the science behind marketing, not just that marketing is the colouring in team, but the three is actually providing some really, really tangible evidence of the value of this investment on an ongoing basis, not just, you know, at the end of the project. Because if people like and feel and, you know, enjoying and benefiting from the sound of what you're selling, there's a really great opportunity here to be setting the precedent for next time. Because then when the next big ticket project or campaign comes along, who's going to be invited to do it? Well, that marketer who kind of had complete control and really wowed us with all those KPIs and a structure and a process. And now, of course, the final point, one of the final points really here is to then be pulling your team together. Now, this isn't a directly kind of project management uh, related um, sort of conversation here, but what we are looking for here is to be able to then brief others who might then be contributing to your campaign, now, particularly if you use an agency. So I'm just going to use the agency example here. They will benefit from a full SOSTAC style briefing. Okay, Don't just give them the targets and say, look, we need this channel with this content. Can you just deliver that? Give them the background. You know, I've worked with agencies throughout my marketing life and I've been on the agency side as well. So I know what it's like when the brief is weak. They're working to a whole different kind of you know, set of goals, set of guidelines, set of understanding. So if you know what's going on and you've got a brief, make sure they do too. Almost to the point where if you weren't there, they could run the project on your behalf. That's when you know you've got this in. So help with an understanding of the limitations, um, the kind of resourcing and outsourcing requirements and any kind of specific technical expertise that you need. You know, admit when you've got vulnerabilities in your campaign and that you need a little bit of help. And people, because they've been well briefed, will see the part that they're playing, will understand their value and will probably drop some other stuff that they're doing to help you out. 
Make sure as part of this briefing process that you agree in writing the terms of engagement and reporting, because if you've promised some stuff that you're going to deliver on an ongoing basis back to the management team, well, you need to make sure you're well armed too. So agreeing in writing the terms of engagement and actually what you need from them, and particularly if somebody else is doing the KPI monitoring as well, you need to be obviously you know, on their radar constantly. So make sure you get what you need to be able to then sell this, um, hopefully really positive story further back upstream. And make sure that in this encounter with them, that the briefing then doesn't mean that you then turn the back on them and you just carry on with what you were doing. And then you say, oh, no, come back to me at the end of the campaign. This is all about ongoing monitoring and adjustments through the campaign. So keep your virtual or actual physical door open to the agency or any third party who is working with you because they'll benefit from it. But also so will you open, authentic and transparent communication within the progress of the campaign campaign is vital if you're going to get this this top ROI that we're talking about at the end. And so we've reached the end. This is the final piece in our jigsaw. Um, this is where we're looking at scorecards, analysis and reporting. Now, I would always say within any style of campaign, don't just look at those numbers. Don't just be reporting the information, the data, the numbers. Most people don't understand what you're talking about. If you talk about engagement, reach and you know, and the like, and um, all the sort of, you know, stuff that you see in your social media um, insights, the vast majority of people will not understand what you're talking about. You're talking a language they do not understand. So turn the information into intelligence. In other words, help them to see you know, what is actually going on by you interpreting those numbers and telling them the backstory and presented in what I would term a balanced scorecard philosophy. In other words, give them the numbers, give them the, the context of those numbers and your interpretation, but also explain the impact on the project, explain the impact on the budget that you've spent, you know, show and share how you're integrating, you know, the communications with the people you're working with on the campaign, both from an internal and from an agency perspective perspective you know this more holistic rounded way of reporting rather than just hey we hit the number look we got those leads didn't we do well everybody's going to benefit from understanding a little bit more um, at a granular level about actually how you are doing this because you don't want to keep this all to yourself celebrating and showcasing the success capturing the process for future continuous improvement but really importantly ongoing campaign legacy creation. Think about that, ongoing campaign legacy creation. What you're actually doing using this checklist, integrating stuff, getting everybody involved is you're creating a mindset within the organization that can be replicated next time. And because I use the words continuous improvement, there is an acceptance that this is not going to be 100% successful but you'll get it to a certain percentage of success. And then maybe when you set your KPIs and your SMART goals for the next campaign, you can increase that maybe just one or 2%. Maybe that's enough, maybe it's 10%. But by having those open and honest conversations with the line management, with your agency, with your colleagues, with your technical people, you're opening up an opportunity there for everybody to learn about continuous improvement in the whole marketing campaign and integration. Integrated con sphere. 
And because we don't need and really don't want to be doing this in isolation, because a lot of the content that's going to go into our campaigns, a lot of the expertise, a lot of the knowledge, a lot of the products and services that come into our campaigns are not created and owned by marketing. They're owned from the rest of the organization. We do need to be using campaigns to get the buy-in from everybody else that we're working with. So there's a huge opportunity here to be evangelizing what marketing is doing through the process of campaign management. And that word integrated, which I've said probably about 50 times in this particular talk, is so crucial because by integrating it, it gives that level of confidence. And so I've got three tips here now to finish off and to share with you to kind of bring this whole thing and all these little points in our 10 point checklist round to a conclusion. So my top, top three tips here are that to avoid marketing that is not part of a wider, deeper context. By having this kind of a process, it gives you the opportunity to critique new stuff that's thrown at you, new opportunities that arrive on your doorstep, things that you spot in the outside world and you think, oh, we could do that. But now you know there's a must, should, could. Is that idea good enough to you know, kind of move up the tree from could to should and even to must? Well, if it doesn't actually show that you're improving the situation of your organization from a wider, deeper context, then the answer is probably no. Okay, so you're looking at this longer term brand value from your campaign. And so any marketing that isn't contributing to that, I'd say pause, literally do not use. Integration also means your audience knows what you want them to do next. This is key. I did really labor in the middle of this talk. I labored the point about carefully choreographing the route map of experience, of clicks, of engagement through your campaign, click by click, visit by visit, engagement by engagement. Integrating this and making it super clear what this journey is for your target audience means that they know what you want them to do next. This phrase call to action is so key. And because we put our key performance, key performance indicators at each of these calls to action where we want them to do something, click the button, visit us here, pick up the phone, dial this number, give us your credit card details, buy this. Whatever those calls to action are with our key performance indicators in those moments, the, your target audience will know exactly what you want them to do next. So campaigns really, really must have clear calls to action and then be integrated throughout the journey. Final top tip is set key performance indicators. I've mentioned these KPIs multiple times. These are the lifeblood of a successful integrated campaign. So set your KPIs, measure and analyze it every single step in your customer's journeys. And customers, journeys, not customer, journey, because different customers have different journeys and different journeys might mean different channels and different channels will probably mean different content. So this stuff is complicated and you'll only be able to do successfully integrated campaign marketing if you prioritize. But by setting clear KPIs against these smart goals, you'll be doing the right thing at the right time for the right people and in the right way, and then communicating the right stuff back into the organization to get the right rewards, really, that you deserve as a marketer. So it's not rocket science, 
but it is detailed. I said at the start, this was really a celebration of process management. We haven't yet at all at this stage talked about how you use those channels, how you create you know, exciting, motivating content. That's not what this is about. These are some of the really key building blocks that no matter how good your creative is, no matter how great and how reaching, far reaching your social channels are, if you don't get these integrated campaign building blocks right, none of that matters. So the key here is to build the process behind the scenes. This is the stuff in the iceberg that sits below the water. So it's the exciting stuff that sits above the water that your customer is going to see. But you've got the process, you've got the targets, you've got the KPIs, and you've got the ROI in your iceberg below the waterline. And if you do that, you stand a really, really good chance every single time of getting the best return on investment that you can. So thank you for listening. I hope that's really helped you. I hope that you'll be able to follow that uh, checklist, those 10-point action plans. Um, if we are not connected and you'd like a copy of this, um, connect with me on social at Neil Wilkins X. Uh, that's at Neil Wilkins X, uh, LinkedIn and Twitter, probably the best two to, to get hold of me on, but other social networks are available. Um, and I will uh, very happily send and share this with you. Um, if you've got any uh, questions regarding uh, this particular um, broadcast, then I'd be, again, very happy to, to answer those. So if you're finding any sort of particular channel um, challenges or any particular KPI or objective challenges, just let me know at Neil Wilkins X. And uh, hopefully yeah, we'll be able to meet each other again on the next exciting episode of how to plan marketing and get best return on investment. Thank you again. Have a great day and good luck with your integrated campaigns.